Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blum and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. I am very happy to introduce all of you to George Madowski, who is the executive chef at Fork. Welcome to our show. Very excited to be here. Thank you. Well, Chef, it is always an honor to speak with anyone from High Street Hospitality, but Fork in particular, uh, as I was mentioning right before we came on, you know, in the, in the years that Fork has been in existence, I've been probably a fan. My favorite restaurant in the city, Philadelphia, for probably about 21, 22 years of that when I think back to when I first started going there. And I know you are an alumni since, uh, or you, you're there since 2017 when you came on and worked up through the ranks. But before we get into Fork, tell our listeners a little bit about your culinary background before you came to Fork, so pre-2017. Um, yeah, so I'm a graduate of Johnson & Wales. I graduated in 2014. Um, I loved the school. I had a great time there. Um, I wouldn't say anything bad about but I I wrestled at Johnson & Wales. I love wrestling as a sport, and I was there, and I was like a huge part of who I was when I was at college. Um, after college, I went on to uh, Bank and Bourbon, which is a, a restaurant on 12th and Market. It was an extremely busy um, American steakhouse, bourbon-centric restaurant in the Lowe's Hotel. And it's still there, and it's still extremely busy. Um, and I took a ton away from that place of uh, being like this, like how to get through it and how to overcome those humps of a service and a week of, you know, those seemingly insurmountable mountains of you know services i i understand completely i understand completely so you know we we love talking with jw we love talking with any culinary school grad but jw is a special place in my heart um you know someplace that that i truly love and obviously the restaurant scene in providence we were talking about last week is it's really a unique and very cool restaurant scene up there so when you were at J&W, did you work in any of the, the wonderful areas, Federal Hill or any of those areas up there as well? You know, that's a that's a great question. And I'd be honest with you, I am disappointed to say I did not. I, um, I like I said before, I was a wrestler and I was fully committed to a, an athletic pursuit at that moment. I was uh, fully dialed in. And um, I did work in my off seasons. Most of those were at home in Philadelphia, at like small bars and restaurants in Jersey. Um, and Providence, I did not. Um, but I do agree with you saying that Providence is an amazing food town. I do agree with that. Well, you know, and, and having many friends who are wrestlers and people like that, it's kind of hard to work in the restaurant industry, have to maintain weight and, you know, go through. <laughs> yeah. Stuff, uh, you know, having a meal and then spitting and, and uh, sweating for five days to make weight, you know. It's a, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a love hate for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A very unique, very unique sport. So you came on board 2017 at Fork, and, you know, there's no secret that Ellen has built really the cornerstone of the restaurant industry in the city of Philadelphia now. There, you, you know, you could talk a lot about a lot of people who came on after her, but, you know, Fork has been really the gold standard for not only food and creative cuisine, but service as well, and, and the ability to make people feel at home. Um, in 17, you came on. Uh, as you know, back at that point in time, I believe you 
were you weren't sous chef you came on um i came on as a garbage cook yeah garbage right okay so you know I, I was, so i was a, i was at bank of bourbon for two and a half years um until early 2017 and i joined um john patterson who is still a um you know acquaintance he's a friend an industry friend and um i joined him he was the chef they had just gotten a four dollar review uh, um from craig Lebon at the inquirer and I have a had a friend at the time from Bank of Bourbon who was like, hey, you should check out Fork. They've got this great write-up. They're doing awesome stuff. Um, you should check them out. I was looking to move on. So I, I staged, I checked it out. It was great. Um, Patterson has an excellent, um, John Patterson has an excellent ability to convey internal hospitality, as I like to call it. And I still continue this to this day, but John kind of uh, taught me this. Very internal, internally hospitable. Everyone who came in, a stage, a anyone, a vendor, he was like always happy to, you know, he was like, hey, check this out. Look what I'm trying, look what I'm making. Taste this. What do you think? You know, and he would like very um, hospitable. Um, I came on as a, I came on as a garment J cook. I had been working as a, like a tornado basically at Bank of Bourbon for a, f- um, a few months at that point. And I probably could have pushed harder to get, get higher, but I was personally like, you know, whatever forks at the high level restaurant and they're, you know, they're the kind of place that demands you to kind of like be who you are and be at a certain level. And I was like, let me just start at the bottom. So I like, was like, hey, I'll start at Garmin. I started at the bottom and I started Garmin and I pushed and I ended up, um, I think, making the sous chef a year later or a year and a half later. And then um, there was a lot of turmoil through per- the pandemic, as most people dealt with. And then I ended up coming out of the pandemic as um, chef, which like, you know, coming out of the pandemic as chef and then also um, pushing forward and then taking on that role fully as executive in, in the sense of like, fully menu driving, fully um, operating uh, two different services with two different, well, relatively speaking, two different menus uh, six days a week. It's, you know, pretty exciting. And I'm excited that like the team is really firing pretty hard right now. So it's really great. You know, when you talked about John Patterson, and, and I agree, he has uh, that a great term internal hospitality. Um, and it truly is. And I talk uh, to people all the time in the industry about what hospitality is and the power of hospitality. And I use Fork as an example from a personal standpoint. Many, many, many years ago, and the reason I love it so much, I, you know, uh, I believe it was, you know, first anniversary. My wife and I were going down towards, you know, we had reservations at Fork and studied for a great dinner. And, you know, push comes to shove, babysitter's late, we're late getting on the road, we hit traffic, we're stressed out, we're, you know, we're going to make our reservation. I call ahead of time, I let them know I'm running a little bit late. It's a Saturday night, packed house at Fork, everything going on. You know, we get there and, you know, kind of really on a high stress level now because I hate being late to anything especially a restaurant reservation in, you know, in the industry. I get there and we walk in and the host, you know, introduce herself. The hostess says, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Blum, welcome. You know, happy anniversary, by the way. We'll have a table for you just in a few minutes. Please go to the bar. We have a cocktail waiting for you. And, you know, taking that ability to understand that we were stressed, reading the reservation, seeing it was an anniversary, doing all those little details, was so above and beyond that immediately everything that we were feeling was gone. And it was such a powerful experience. And I talk to people to this day, 
that is what hospitality is all about. I 100% agree with you. I mean, I think Ellen and my front of house team, as an extension of her, um, Kevin, Matt, and Megan are amazing at this. Like taking something that may have gone south outside of the restaurant's cons- uh, outside of the restaurant's control or within the restaurant control. Things happen within the restaurant that you know no one can control. Sometimes it's just things that happen, and they take those things and they turn them into. They either make it so the guest never notices, or they make it into a happy accident, or they make it into a, a thing and being like, "Hey, um, you know, here's this." It may have been something. You know, they're just so good at like being like, "Hey, we had this cocktail for your waiting. Don't worry about it." Hey, happy anniversary! Here's a splash of champagne. So happy to toast with you. Um, birthday, you know, like special dessert, off menu dessert, or something like that. They're like, you know, only special for birthdays that evening, something like that. Like we're, yeah. uh, they're, they're amazing at like pulling those special tricks out. We had, you know, it's, it, it's just an amazing thing that I think that they, they, all four of them have become very good at. And I could take that to a recent visit that I was down there with my wife. We went in for lunch and, you know, she's a little bit more of a particular eater and we went in and, you know, the one thing I look at every menu is I look at your creations or any chef's creations as something that he put together because these go really well together. So I'm one of those people that when, you know, my dinner partner or whatever will request something that's a little like, oh, I'll take this, but can I not have this, this, this with it? Like, ooh, you know, like that was really designed to go together and all that. But, you know, went into, you know, Fork and, you know, her accommodations were met, you know, without any challenge. Hey, absolutely, 100%. Got that taken care of, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, just appreciate all that little attention to detail. One of the things about Fork is they're constantly evolving restaurant from the perspective of a menu. You know, Ellen gives the executive chef a lot of leeway in designing a particular style. So what do you see is different from John Patterson to you in, you know, the style of, you know, your culinary and what you're working towards and bringing towards in the restaurant? Yeah, and I mean, I I give Ellen always kudos on the amount of trust that she gives her culinary team, whether it be Patterson or myself or Eli or Terrence or whoever before that. And I am friendly, and I am proud to say this, I am friendly with all of my predecessors as the chef of pork. I know almost all of them. There's a few I haven't met yet, but there's a lot that I am friendly with, which is amazing to say, I think, as a restaurant, restaurant operator. Um but she gives a lot of freedom to the um to the operator and it's you know i i it's it's such a like a, a tr- like you know it's a big step of trust i think in her regard sorry what was the second half of the question my mistake so what is you, what style are you, you know, what is your culinary style and you tried to bring into the menu design and what you're doing there now as it evolves you know you're constantly evolving your menu, but where where are you leading fork from a culinary perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious is that we're we're always pushing to just be better. We're like kind of dialing everything in and pushing things to be just like as 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 seasoned as, as great as they can be. Um, in a personal matter, I, I I my mother is uh half Lebanese, and I do push this like level of uh Lebanese influence. I mean, we don't go so far. In the sense to say, like we're putting Lebanese dishes on, but um, little touches of spices here or there, or like touches of um, preserved lemon or sumac or um, what have you, to a certain dish, really kind of take it in a certain direction. Um, we definitely um, in practice a level of um, full 
like full aggressive um, seasoning and full aggressive, like really pushing things. They're really, everything's are very tasty and very full flavored and really um, intentional and intense food. And I think that's, um, you know, it, I think that most people really enjoy it. Um, but I, I know that some people might be a little much for them, but I really enjoy that level of food um, because people who eat all day, every day, um, maybe eat a lot of food that's maybe not so much so not so pushed so hard and I think it's a really welcome breadth of um, something interesting that, like wakes them up a little bit right exactly I don't ever me personally I don't want to go into a restaurant and have to think about what I want to create that night I want the chef's menu to dictate to me wow I'm gonna really like love this adore this he put a lot of time and effort in his or her skill into creating this dish. To me, that's what dining truly is. That's what hospitality truly is. You know, I'm not one that that wants to go in and change anything on the menu. I want to taste it as as you created it. And that's one of the things I truly love about Fork is the food when I go in is always an adventure. It's all I always learn something. I walk away with a new flavor, a new combination, a new idea. And you know, that was as you know, a month ago when I was down there for lunch. And the other thing about you touched on earlier, you have two very distinct menus there. You know, you have a lunch menu, you have a dinner menu that are very different in, in what you do in styles and such. So, you know, it must be uh, a really interesting kitchen setup back there and i know that what i one of the other things i love about fork is you still really apply old world techniques and an old world management style of the kitchen you know you have positions in the kitchen it's not one or two people who do everything and you have specialists and that's what really makes it special there yeah i i, I totally agree in 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 some ways in saying that like it's yeah it's old world to say it, like saying that it's 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 you know call me and then lion cook or chef de partie however you want to refer to it and then uh your sous chefs and your chef like i i agree with that 100 i would retract and say that maybe we it's now coming you know to this newer age where all everyone in the whole industry is waking up and saying like there's a new way of management and there is we do have our our specialists in the kitchen that are like very good at certain things that kind of that's what they do and i agree with that and i would say that like maybe we're um moving forward and saying like there's just like a new level of management like a new level of um you know where um a new level of like kind of everyone's learning a little bit more and everyone's kind of taking part in these bigger tasks and there's a greater sense of shared knowledge which i think me and ellen and everyone takes a big part in the shared knowledge of like there's no secrets in my restaurant and and, and it's not, not or sorry i shouldn't say that it's not my restaurant i take a lot of pride in it but it's not my restaurant it's it's, it's, restaurant. it's, it's okay i yeah you know why? <laughs> ownership and an attitude is yeah it, it I says so that. much about it so you know, it it is yours in that fact that you take the ownership of the food that comes out of there. That speaks but, volumes. Thank you. Um, but yeah, there's um, you know, the shared knowledge is important to us and myself and my sous chefs. I have two very excellent sous chefs that um one handles mostly AM and one handles mostly PM, and then I kind of try to overarch those things. And both of them have their kind of like I wouldn't say they're both dialed into their services, they have their individual teams that are kind of like you know, um, there are small crews of like t people that kind of are very specialized in what they do. Like there's a guy who's like very good at cooking eggs. He's not the best at everything else, but he can cook eggs really well, you know? 
And like, which is amazing. Like, that's like kind of all I'm asking him to do. So like, why do I, you know, what else do I need to really do? And like, until I move him somewhere else, then it's, you know, we'll worry about that later. But he's, um, you know, and like the, the intention is to like get that guy good and then switch him eventually. So that like someone else can be that guy and we keep moving. And, you know, having those people beneath you that like are, I shouldn't say beneath you, who are with you in the process and growing and like, we're always kind of like pulling people up and within the company to like within the restaurant to help grow the kitchen and like continue the um, filtration of knowledge upward and through and through all these cooks and through these young people. We do a lot of work with like um, colleges and not just like Johnson and Wales and CIA and the obvious ones. We do it with um, like Penn. We do a program called Gourmand. I have a couple of those guys coming yep, through yep. weekly. Um, so we have the Gourmand program in house, and like we do a lot of like you know, and like a lot of them are great. They come in, they ask questions, or like, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? Like we are always like, like I said, there's no there's no secrets, which I think is like a, a secret. Like, or I'm sorry, is a um is a big um thing that we do, and like I think um some restaurants maybe like struggle with that still. Sometimes they're like, oh no, yeah, you, when you get to that point, you'll learn it. Like. like Hey, you asked him what that is. I'll fucking tell you. I don't, I'm not really super worried about it because, um, it's like, it's more, it's to be honest with you. It's just like, there's no secrets. It's like, it's like, you can't, it's like the, the what's going to stop you from doing it and going somewhere else and doing it is because you can't yet. You need years of experience to do it. It's not necessarily what that thing is. Right. You know, it's, it's not, not a secret. A, it's so not chef, a secret. It's just being that, yeah, uh, being that two chefs are sitting here talking and we're, uh, you know, going into the last, uh, couple seconds we have here. Can you tell our listeners, and we'll get back and have another discussion, you and I, tell our listeners where they can find uh, your menus and your great food and where they can find more information about Fork. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find myself, Madoski 3 that's three eyes, like Roman numeral, on Instagram. Um, the restaurant is at Fork Restaurant. It's all one word. Um, the website for the restaurant is ForkRestaurant.com. Again, all one word, kind of obviously on the website side. Um yeah, and then everything you need to be on those two. Um, you you can probably find our company. You can find our company and our subsequent sister restaurants from those those two. They're tagged kind of in there. Um, yeah, I appreciate all of y'all's time. Our our pleasure, Chef. It's always a pleasure talking to uh, a a great culinary person and a person who has the passion and drive that you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chef. Thank you. And we will be right back after this short break. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com or arpolicus at gmail.com hi and welcome back to food farms and chefs and i'm very happy to introduce all of you to steph music who is the chef and owner of culinary and restaurant solutions llc steph welcome to food farms and chefs thank you thank you for having me i'm really excited <laughs> I know you're excited. Um, and and I was excited to to bring you on because you know, one of the things that we love to do is introduce um, I mean, not that you're a new chef, but um you're you're new to your name is new, your business is new to um a little new since the the pandemic. So before I even like botch anything else, um, why don't you tell our listeners how you got into the restaurant industry, you know, where you studied and where you've worked previously, because I believe that you were in a 
executive chef um, before you began be a uh, personal and private chef chefing? Sure. Um, it's, it's a long story. <laughs> Get ready. Um, so I, I left Ohio. It's where I grew up and uh, joined the Navy and I was in the Navy for like six years. I did uh, electronics on weapon systems. And after that, I, uh, after I left the military, I just started doing what I knew how to do. So I started working for the cable company and, um, I was up on a, uh, 32 foot extension ladder and, uh, my ladder was malfunctioned and it flipped and I fell 32 feet and, um, messed up my back, like compressed a whole bunch of discs. Luckily it didn't break anything, but, um, I was laid up on the couch for like, I don't know, six months, not really walking well um, after that. So I uh, watched a lot of Food Network <laughs> and I watched a lot of cooking shows and I got super into it. And when I started moving around a little again, I um, started doing some cooking and some things. And I really, really fell in love with it after I did uh, my ex-wife's family's uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And I was like up at night kind of researching recipes and how everything's going to come together. And uh, it was the most fun I ever had. So um, I went to culinary school at the Art Institute in California and uh, came out here to Philadelphia in 2012. Started working for the White Dog Cafes, kind of where I, I grew up at. Um, was there for four years, I think. Um, and then I got a great opportunity to be the executive chef at the Valley Green Inn. Um, it was a Hicken Park. So I was there uh, about two years. Um, and then after that, I did some consulting and, and what have you until I found another spot at Barcelona Wine Bar. I was the executive chef there for about a year. Um, I decided I kind of want to do my own thing. Um, so I started, you know, dabbling and in, in consulting a little more and, um, you know, private chefing for different families and loved it. And then COVID happened. And uh, I didn't have a plan. I was contracted on my own. So I had to figure out what I was going to do. Um, so I started this business and I just kind of started out small, uh, did some meal delivery stuff, some small weddings, some private parties. And it just uh, every year I feel lucky enough to keep going on to the next year. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that is quite a story. And I, oddly enough, um, how I got into this business, into, into this side of it, um, was semi similar to, to what you, you, your pathway. I was kind of laid up on the couch cause I couldn't walk and, uh, watching a bunch of cooking shows <laughs> and tweeting about the, uh, recipes and, you know, it's not about my story though. So I don't want to bogart your interview, but, well, just, um, but it was how life throws stuff at you and you just kind of roll with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, one of the things that I'd be curious about, because, you know, being a chef, I know that you're on your feet a lot and, you know, it's just a lot of standing. I'm sure, you know, Jean can also confirm this too, that it's a lot of on your feet, you know, prepping and like meal, like I, how how has that impacted you know you in the culinary field and you know with the injuries like you sure. know not that I want to harp on that but just <laughs> well, I appreciate that um well it's funny enough I'm actually going through a thing right now uh I threw on my back like three days before I left to this trip to cook for clients in Jackson Wyoming um and but like I think the the only thing that doesn't hurt is when I stand 
So this is the oh. best job for me to be in. I, I can, you know, walk around, I can be on my feet for 18 hours and I'm good to go. But if you, if I have to sit and do any kind of paperwork, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's a good thing that you, that you are a chef then because you are on oh, your yeah. feet. Then, if that's the, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but so with your, with your business and the fact that, you know, you have yeah. taken off and you, you do travel because I believe that you meal, you offer meal preps and, and everything like that. In addition to, you know, doing private dinner parties, but atypically, you know, like you're over under on how many, you know, meals that you go in and prep in your private clients, kitchens versus, you know, dinner parties, like what, you know, what would be the process of balancing all the different nuances of your business? Mm, I'm not sure I understand your question. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, because you do meal prep. You That's do okay. I didn't either. So it's okay. <laughs> All right. A lot of people don't order. I say I ask questions in very confusing ways. I apologize. But no, um, so let me. I answer you, questions in very confusing ways. <laughs> fair. <laughs> we we can balance each other out then. Um, so you. OK, so you do the private chef part where you're doing dinner, dinner parties and whatnot. Then you also offer pri uh, the meal preps. How do you balance the two um, aspects of the two or three aspects of your business um, concept? Yeah, I mean, that's a great that's a great question. One, I'm still trying to answer uh, my own personal self. <laughs> but um, yeah, we offer um, I have a couple chefs that work with me when they have availability and they are wonderful at, you know, kind of balancing me out and taking things that I may not have, you know, the space for or the time for. Um, so I have I have a great team that that really supports me and really um helps me do the things that I love doing and that, um, you know, what brought me to this, this place. Um, so, but for everything else, it's just a, it's just a balancing. Um, I try to make sure that all of my clients are, you know, well taken care of. So I don't really take a lot of personal clients. Um, it's, it's really, um, I've, I've really tried to give each one their own, um, personal touch. Like, you know, we do everything customizable to, uh, anybody's preferences, dietary restrictions. I do a lot of, um, you know, health conscious clients, um, looking to just eat better or you know, working to, uh, have some kind of goal in their fitness work with, uh, nutritionists and things like that to, to build menus. I'm not one, so I can't be like, you know, do this and then this will happen, but, you know, I really try to follow the guidelines of, you know, the nutritionists that pass on information. But I mean, we also do private parties and, and things like that. I do some cooking classes out of my kitchen, um, different uh, different things like that is starting to, to build a little bit. But um, I'm just kind of, you know, seeing where I fit into this part of the, the restaurant industry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so when when you gain a new client, like is how do you take on a new client? Do they reach out to you? Is it a word of mouth process or, you know, can they, you know, just, I like find you online if they're interested in meal prep? Sure. Um, a lot of people find me at word of mouth. Um, that's probably my, my biggest, uh, influx of, of clients, but, um, I also have Instagram, Facebook that, um, people seem to enjoy. 
and uh, a website that I get a lot of, you know, uh, clients from as well. So um, the way I, I take on a client, I always give them, you know, I do an intake phone call with, you know, myself just to get a feel for, you know, what they're looking for, if I can even do it. Um, and, you know, we just have a conversation about food and what you like and what you don't like. And, um, and then, you know, we do a questionnaire that kind of has all of those guidelines as well. And then I go out and I figure out a menu that I think that would work well for you. And there's, you know, a period of time where it's like, you know, yes, I like that. No, I don't like, you know, things like that. But, you know, over time, we really build a database of, of food and uh, menu items that really speak to each person personally, because, you know, we want to feed people, you know, the foods that really, you know, feed their body, but also feed their soul a little bit. So I, I know that obviously with, you know, private, being a private chef, you have to have a, a large selection of menus and ingredients and understanding of different cuisines and, and cultures. Um, is there any particular niche that you, that you lean towards or that your clientele lean, lean towards? Um, no, not really. I mean, th there's like a, there's a whole scope of things that people love. Um, you know, my, my regular clients, for instance, uh, I work for them, you know, weekly. Um, I'm actually out here in Jackson, Wyoming cooking for them as well. And, um, they, they love like Middle Eastern flavors, Moroccan, uh, Indian, things like that. So I've gotten, you know, a lot of experience cooking those types of cuisines, but it scopes, you know, the whole, the whole range of things. You just kind of have to know a little bit, uh, enough to get in trouble in about every area of <laughs> cooking. So I've had to do a lot of like baking and specialty baking and, you know, clients that are like have specific allergies that we have to work around. Um, so I've also done, you know, a lot of specialty cakes and desserts as well. Okay. So take me through like an atypical, so say, um, I have two food allergies and I'm just going to put this out there like <laughs> to everyone listening, but I'm allergic to pear and kiwi, which is a very unusual pairing of like, you know, food allergies, but what, you know, and doesn't limit you too much because that's not too, too bad. But like, what would your atypical, um, you know, I, if I were to be a client, you know, what would be some of the things that I would look forward to with that initial like conversation? Um, well, I mean, most people have, you know, pretty, pretty similar allergies. So there's, I have menus that I kind of work around and work with, um, depending on what the allergy is. Uh, we take it very seriously. We'll completely, you know, break down all of the kitchen so that there's nothing um, in there that would be possibly cross-contaminated and, and things like that. So, you know, it's something that is, is we offer that as, you know, a kind of a guarantee that you're taken care of and you're, you know, nothing bad is going to happen to you. Um, so, but like building menus around that is if, if you have the flavor profile, you can pretty much, you know, work with what you can work with. I mean, I don't know now, if that's. Now, do you ever, because you're, you know, some of this is go, you going into their kitchens and, you know, private um, homes and, and whatnot and prepping the food and, you know, building the menu in front of them. You had mentioned that you also teach classes on cooking, um, and that you might get into it some more while you are, you know, not hosting per se, but you are cooking, um, in somebody's kitchen at, you know, do you ever give that opportunity if say one of your clients like, Hey, can I help out? Like, do, do you offer that? Like, 
additional like, oh, okay, you know, step back. Cause I know it's a, it's a very controlled, controlled environment when a chef um, is cooking. It's kind of just like, I, yeah. I, I want to step back and be like, if you want help, I'll help. <laughs> I can be like that sometimes. <laughs> just ask my partner. She's, uh, she's like, well, your kitchen now step away um (laughs) but i love when people join me in the kitchen like i'm i love talking to people i like getting a feel for what they're doing what they like um i've (laughs) i did a dinner party uh last summer summer before and i sat there and i had like nine kids around the bar like waiting for me like firing questions one after the other. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so fun. It was like, they were really into it. And, uh, you know, I love working with kids as well. So it's, it was a lot of fun. Um, but you know, other clients oftentimes just hang out in the kitchen. It's where the family is and, you know, I'm there and I'm kind of part of that whole like dynamic, which is also very fun. Like you get to be a part of people's, you know, lives and, you know, their most special occasions, which is, you know, very special. Now, speaking of special occasions, obviously we've already surmounted the, uh, the whole Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's, you know, day, but Easter is coming along. So, you know, do you have any, you know, particular openings, like say our listeners are interested in hiring you, do you have openings for, Easter dinner celebrations, would you, you know, if somebody was interested in having you prep their Easter meal ahead of time, because I believe that's something else that you do is, you know, you do cook inside a prep kitchen um, and, and then deliver. So do you have those availabilities as well? Yeah, so far now, um, I do have some availability. Things are starting to book up. So I always encourage people to to reach out, you know, sooner than later. I mean, you know, we're very small, so we can only take on a certain amount of, you know, clients. Um, but, you know, we, we do have openings around that that period of time now. Yeah. And for anybody who's looking to hire you too, is this a all encompassing? Like you go, do you go in with pots and pans or do you utilize the kitchenware that's inside the home um, and then clean up and and whatnot as after like plating and everybody's eaten? Yeah. So, I mean, I've learned the hard way. Like we, (laughs) everything has kind of been a a steep learning curve since I started this, but oftentimes we go into Airbnbs. Uh, We do a lot of work uh, on the Jersey shore during the summer. Um, so we're going to people's Airbnbs and oftentimes they're not outfitted for anything besides, you know, maybe some cups and plates. Um, so I bring everything that I can possibly think of that I would need. Soap, trash bags, like, I mean, you name it, it's in the back of, you know, the van. So, yeah. <laughs> so we, we also, um, we do, I'd say like 80% of the prep in my kitchen and then, you know, we pack up everything and we do the last minute final, like anything that would be affected, you know, the quality by doing ahead of time, we will do on site, searing off meats, fish, you know, things like that. But like all the sauces and and things like that, that we can do ahead of time, we do. And so it makes it very easy, very streamlined. Um, You know, we're chill. We are able to talk to them and make sure that they have everything that they need. And um, we do the dinner party at whatever pace is comfortable. Um, Some people like to go very quickly and get onto the post- you know, dinner festivities, other people like to like, that is the evening and we're going to take it nice and slow and take care of them throughout the evening. And, you know, it's kind of, it's customized to what you're looking for and what suits the, suits the evening. 
Well, that's, that is wonderful because, you know, we need more of that in our lives, especially everybody getting back into their regular day-to-day, like chaos, <laughs> driving yeah. to work, having families, you know, what, whatever that family looks like, um, you know, and just trying to, to balance, every, you know, work and, and home life, um, sure. in a, in a wonderful way. And you're there to help provide that. Absolutely. Life is hard. Yeah, life is definitely <laughs> if hard. If somebody can take one little bit off your plate, it's yes, please. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now for our listeners out there that are looking to take that little bit off their plate, how can they find you online and in person? Sure. Um, online right now is, uh, you can go to my Instagram at uh, Chef Steph Music, all one word. Um, also my Facebook and website, chefstephmusic.com. And that is at Chef Steph, S-T-E-P-H, yes. music, M-U-S-I-C-K. Hey, yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Steph, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. It was, it was wonderful speaking to you. You as well. You have a good rest of the day. Thank you. You, you too. And we will be right back after this short break. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-hosts Gene Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. I am very excited to introduce all of you to a very happy (laughs) farmer, Sue Miller, who is the owner and one of the farmers behind Birch Run Hills Farm. Sue, welcome to to Food Farms and Chefs. It's so great to be here. I mean, three of my favorite topics. (laughs) Right? I mean, you are one of the farmers. So yes. you are part of our name, but um, let our listeners know, because I don't know if you originally grew up in, in the farming industry, but um, how did you and your families get involved in, in this? Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, both really my husband and I would be considered first generation farmers. I didn't grow up on a dairy farm. Uh, my parents uh, lived, my mother grew up in New Jersey and my father in Chester. And I think that they kind of fancied themselves as back to the landers. They moved out onto a dirt road out in Chester County. And as I was growing up, we were in 4-H and we had sheep and we had pigs and we had chickens and I had a pony. And um, as I grew up, I just loved animals. And then I met my husband, Ken, who was a dairy farmer. His father was a school teacher and his grandfather had been a dairy farmer, but had sold the cows when he was about eight years old. So the farm hadn't had dairy cows on it until he had decided to, um, you know, start milking a herd of cows because all he ever wanted to do was to be a farmer, which is pretty cool. And then I met him and I fell in love with the cows. He wasn't bad either. And it just seemed to be (laughs) a match made in heaven. As my mother always says, she's like, it's the life you were meant to live, which I think is like the perfect thing because if you're, if you don't love the dairy industry and milking cows, it would be a really challenging way to earn a living, you know, it's seven days a week. 
late at night, you're it's kind of like the restaurant world. Oftentimes you're working when everybody else is having a picnic or whatever. So it really is a labor of love. And our family has just rallied around. And I believe you ha- you and your husband have two sons and they also help out at the farm as well. Yeah, they both uh, went away to um, college to study uh, animal science with a concentration in dairy and at different times of their college career came back to ask us to be part of Bertrand Hills Farm. We knew that they would be in agriculture because that's really where their heart was. We didn't realize that they'd want to come back and work with us, but it really is because of the cheese and the value added that they felt there was an opportunity to grow what we were doing, work with the animals, work with the land and create food to hand right to our customers and our neighbors and people in our community. So that's pretty magical. Yeah, it is magical. Now, I know that Jean is probably chomping at the bit because I love cheese, but Jean loves cheese at a different level than I do. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, listen, anything, anytime you get me on any way, I'm happy with that. So whether it's butter, whether it's cheese, whether it's dairy, you know, I'm one of them believers that if milk is good, heavy cream is better, you know, kind of thing. Um, but I particularly love your products. I, I know your products. I've uh, had your products many times, you know, and I love the local cheese business in this area, whether it's, you know, up in Pennington, New Jersey, or down in Chester County, or even here in Newtown. In Bucks County, there's so many great cheese producers that are making fabulous products. And, you know, you're right up there. But, you know, the particular part is that, you know, you're producing cow's milk cheeses, which happen to be my favorites. Um, oh, so, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> and, you know, me, for me, I mean, people talk about doing cheese plates and, you know, they, they do a lot of things. And I always, okay, if you're going to do that, we do need to, you know, educate people on what the difference is. So for me, when I do a cheese plate that I'm going to do a tasting with, I like to have, you know, a little sheep, a little goat, a little cow. You know, I like to have that for people to try. But, you know, your cheeses are just amazing. And then one of the other things that you do do and that, you know, you and I know there's a place up in Pennington that that I, I have gone to many times. You produce great wash rind cheeses that, you know, have that wonderful flavor, that great uh Bent to them that that you know almost stinky cheese as people refer to it, but you know the you know dirty socks, whatever you want to call it. Well, you get past that, and you'll get flavor profiles that you can never even imagine. A little bit about how you came about, or how you came to be able to produce such great cheeses, but you didn't have really a background in cheese making. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it really comes down to the cows. You know, we're producing this beautiful milk uh, with an amazing component structure that is just perfect for cheese making. And, you know, what the cows are eating, how they're cared for genetically, how we've been breeding them for generations in the dairy herd has contributed to this. But our very first cheese that we made was the Bertrand Blue. And honestly, that was a rookie mistake. I made that cheese because I love blue cheese so much. It is one of the most challenging styles of cheese to make. There's, you know, All cheese can be challenging to make, but blue is particularly um, 
temperamental. And I always say all the gray hair that came on my head came from that blue cheese. But we've gotten to know each other really well, the Bertrand Blue and I, and have worked that out. We just, in our family, love, you know, big... Uh, flavorful cheeses and starting with that blue then we went on to make um, an alpine style cheese called equinox but fat cat was developed from a mistake in making the blue and that has this like tangy uh, tartness with a bit of barnyard funk to it and from that fat cat we developed the red cat which is our wash drying cheese the one that when you smell that aroma of dirty socks i think oh perfection, right? It's rich, it's meaty, it's brothy. It really brings uh, the complex tasting uh, notes to to the palate. And it's just so fun to have, especially this time of year. This time of year, it's so unctuous because um, the butter fat is really high um, in the milk from the cows being on more of a dry feed uh, diet. So this is a time for those stinky cheeses to really shine from Bertrand Hills Farm. And I'm so glad that you love them. I absolutely adore them. One of the things I find truly unique about that too, is that, you know, for me to go in as a business, you know, a lot of times with wash rinds and with cheeses like that, I can't necessarily say, well, you know, tomorrow or, you know, two weeks from now, I'm going to need X amount of it because it's a process to get it perfect. And it doesn't, it's not necessarily ready just when you think it's going to be ready. It's not going to be, well, I started it today and in 21 days it's ready. It's not that it's, it's love and it's nature and it's so much goes into it, but you know, you have to be patient and like any great thing in life, if you're patient, it gets better. It's so true. Cheese making is a lesson in patience, you know, because it takes a long time to really understand the milk through the seasons and the lactation curve of the cows. The environment has so much influence on the cheese making, A, from the feed standpoint, and just with the raw ingredient of the milk, but also down in the aging rooms. You know, when we're having a really dry summer, it alters everything down there. So we have to be nimble and know what to expect. And I don't know, um, adjust whether it's in the vat, whether it's in the aging room and make some decisions about when this cheese is ready to bring out. And really, isn't that the beauty of any craft is just honing those skills. I'll spend my lifetime doing that. And I find it really exciting. And that truly is what makes, you know, cheese so special. So, you know, so perfect and, and buying from a farm, buying, I mean, obviously we get birch run at, at many different places, but, you know, being able to go out locally and get it, you're getting right the freshest, the best, you know, when it's absolute perfection, not something that now sounded, you know, sat in a shelf for a couple of weeks or whatever like that. And, you know, it's, it's such an incredible product and, you know, whether you're going to choose to cook with it or just enjoy it as is, which is with a great bottle of wine, you know, it's absolutely fabulous. And, uh, and you guys do really produce incredible products. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me to hear. It's exciting for us because, you know, everybody on the farm here is working behind the scenes. You know, my husband's working to grow the feed for the cows. My oldest son is managing the dairy herd. My other son, Jesse, he's, uh, out in front of the consumer at the farmer's markets and working with me, but you can find them on a tractor. So uh, I'm always trying to carry this message to them. Like all your hard work is so well appreciated. So thanks for saying that, Gene. Well, as I often remind people, 
you know, we need to thank farmers because without them, we would be sober, hungry, and naked. So, you know. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. So- I want to jump in because um, you had you had mentioned the uh, the um, the facility, which I know that you have underground. Um, is that unique for for yourself um, in your farm? How did you come about like building that and you know creating that process? Our aging facility is down under our make room here at Bertrand Hills Farm. It's not a traditional cave like you would find for say the Roquefort Caves or in France. Um, We did not build a traditional cave. There are two in Pennsylvania, maybe three in Pennsylvania, but ours is just deep underground basement and it's not totally cooled by the ground. We also do have some um, evaporative cooling in there uh, to just kind of maintain the temperature during the summer months when it's so hot and dry. But it just seemed to make sense for us to like, you know, be able to use our footprint efficiently. Uh, We're sort of um, bound by a road on two sides of where our cheese making facility is. So we just couldn't sprawl out and have more space. So we built that deep underground. It's 12 feet under and uh, that's where we're aging the cheeses. It's a long run of steps down there. I'll tell you, I feel like I'm on the Stairmaster. (laughs) <laughs> every day multiple times the whole team we're like the healthiest cheese makers <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say it, then yeah <laughs> it, then it's it's definitely an exercise program in addition to <laughs> yes. we we always say we can run our own cheese crossfit up here <laughs> <laughs> sounds um, fun doesn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um now i know that both gene and i love different cheeses um a variety of them i know when i've gone to to markets and to stores i've purchased numerous you know samples because i i'm never happy with just one i have to try them all um which is a nod to something that you guys do because you host events as well and um along with tastings of the different cheeses and you pair it with a local winery as well so can you talk talk a little bit more about that and you know what you offer and whether or not you know it's something where you work with somebody coming in to tour it right with guided tastings that's one thing we do here on the farm people can sign up for a small group of you know say 6 to 20 people come out for a tasting but every friday night we have an event here called the Cheesiest Happy Hour. So on Fridays from four to eight, my neighbor Sharon from Lay Garage Winery, her winery is just up the hill from the farm, like not even three quarters of a mile away. Um, and she comes with these beautiful wines that she's making. She doesn't have a tasting room at her winery. It's a VW bus, a 1970 VW bus. So, hey, that really brings a vibe. She pulls in. People can hang out with a grazing board or select wedges and cheeses and build their own board. The cows are there for them to visit with. We're here. They can look across the valley at ground fields that we've been farming for over 30 years. You know, the silos here, it's just peaceful. It's relaxing. You feel connected with nature. There's a real beautiful level of transparency that I feel people are really removed from the farm any day, you know, in these modern days. So it really makes a connection for people to come and see where their food's produced. And that is so meaningful to us to be able to share that. I have a um, elementary education degree and I really love 
to teach and share what we do with others. So we always welcome people here on Fridays. <laughs> year round. Sometimes we'll be frying cheese curds. If we made cheese curds that week in the winter, we're making raclette. You just never know what you're going to get into out here. <laughs> Ooh, you just, you just triggered me with the raclette. <laughs> oh yeah. Get a little bit of that stinky cheese happening on a baguette and life is good. Life is very good. Thinking of birch run cheese and beer pairing at, at my place, you know, that would be wonderful. That. Yeah. I love that. And amazed the Philadelphia, the German Society of Pennsylvania, right down there on Spring Garden you did, Street. You did, the, you did the beer festival. Oh my goodness! And it's just so great to be reminded all the time how fantastic beer pairs with cheese. And so does wine or tea. It really does. And uh, you know, I, I as we were talking, I was like, hmm, I might have to make a field trip and look at doing something and setting something up at our brewery here and uh, doing that. And uh, doing a little uh, tasting of all that. So we'd yes, love to partner with you, bring some cheeses. <laughs> now, uh, we have a couple of minutes left. So why don't we a bit more about the farm? Um, you know, you had mentioned that you were an elementary teacher before. Do you ever bring people on um, to learn more about the farm in the process? Yeah, I work a lot with Ag Connect, which is a program here in Chester County, but it's for this, uh, the larger region of the state to bring students out to the farm a couple of times a year, because we want people to understand, young people to understand that there are careers in agriculture. Cheese is an agricultural product. A lot of people don't think about that. You know, Jean mentioned that if we didn't have uh, <laughs> farmers, we wouldn't have anything to drink, eat, and wear. So um, I really love to be able to showcase that for young folks and students and uh, honestly talk about what we do on the farm with anybody who's interested. Um, we're open to doing tours and just sharing that experience. There's such a great, a profound <laughs> connection too, because you never know, you may have a kid that lives in Coatesville come out here and really be influenced. I've done some programming uh, at Drexel with their food science department. And a couple of weeks ago, I had a student that I had there for um, a tasting I did about five years ago come out and she's working in cheese. And I think it was because of, in part, the experience she had at Drexel. That's nice. pretty great. Yeah. That's awesome. It is so important to show young students or young people where food comes from i don't think many of them realize that you know farms and what they do and how they generate it uh you know and, and they think that you know well the supermarket is where things come from and i'm like yeah okay you know when you go out and get your hands in the dirt and do all that um just a curiosity question of my own your two sons were they del val students for now Okay. Well, up in this. Even 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 better if if it's possible to be that. Yes. Yes. So. Well, I have to say, that my youngest son used to love dairy cattle judging. Uh, he judged cows a lot at Del Val, so we know the campus well, and we know the farm there pretty well. It's beautiful. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I I attended. Yes, um, it's a beautiful place. But a long time ago, looked a lot different than it does now. <laughs> Things change, don't they? <laughs> Well, speaking of things changing, unfortunately, we ran out of time. So um, the season, enjoy some of the cheeses and um, purchase some of, of your products at various locations. 
Yeah, follow us on our you follow us on social media at Arm, and jump on our website. But you can find our cheeses and specialty shops on the menu of restaurants in the region, but also at farmers markets like Head House Farmers Market, Fairmount Farmers Market on Thursdays, and out here all over the suburbs. So you can find that out from our website. We'd love to connect it with you and come to the farm. Come to the source and see us. I would love that. Unfortunately, we have run out of time and I think Jane hopped off, but <laughs> tune in every single week for a new episode of Food Farms and Chefs. And Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having cheese somewhere. Yes, we will. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com.